Blog Talk Radio. It's 
possible. Um, um, Cameron Sony played well. He's a former Patriot left tackle. I uh, played well, um, you know, but there's a reason the Patriots let him go, and there's a reason that he's not starting. Um, I always say there's a reason that you have a starter, and there's a weak reason you have a backup. Uh, I hear Connor Williams is actually um, he's healthy, um, but Suofilo, the uh, right guard, I'm sorry, the left guard has been playing well, so they've left him in currently, you know, for the moment. Uh, Connor Williams left left guard, was the starting left guard, has been backing up Fleming, um, you know, at least the last game. So I guess we'll see. But but here's the thing. Ever since they fired Paul Alexander, and who, you know, what's funny about it is, I forgot they even, I forgot he was even on the team. That's what's funny, and I follow this team very closely, and I remembered when they hired him, and I was excited, you know, 20 plus year, 23, 27, I don't know, year um, veteran with the Bengals. And then, of course, I, you know, I didn't think it through. I should have wondered, you know, why that's all he ever did, offensive line. Like, why wasn't he an offensive coordinator? Why wasn't, you know, why did he move up? And why did he stay in one position for over 20 years? And I guess it's because he was, he was good enough. This is the same organization that Marvin Lewis has been the head coach for 15 years and um, he has zero playoff victories. Same organization that brought in Hugh Jackson, um, who has done some things with them, um, to be the special assistant after failing as a head coach at 336-1. So uh, this is where this guy, Paul Alexander, came from. So I'm glad Dallas got rid of him. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm very happy they got rid of him. And Mark Colombo is their offensive line coach with Hudson Hawk as kind of his overseer kind of his sounding board, kind of, hey, you know, you played for Hudson Hawk when he was an offensive line coach. So the relationship is there. And so it's pretty clear that whatever you learned, you learned from Hudson Hawk. So why not bring this guy out of retirement and have him, um, you know, help you establish your pattern as, as an offensive line coach. And, uh, you know, in the four games, um, they're three and one. Now, Granted, you know, they also got Mark Cooper at the same time. But they're 3-1, and one, and Zeke has been bald. Okay? I don't think it's a coincidence that these things combined has turned the Cowboys season around. You heard me on here. Pissed off after the loss to Tennessee. Pissed off after two straight losses. You know, with some of the things I saw that led to a 3-5 three, three and five victory. You heard me give this team a very hard time because I was not happy with what I was seeing and called for Jason Garrett's job. And frankly, I haven't backed off from that position just yet. Um, I, I haven't, uh, you know, I'm not convinced that keeping him is the right thing to do. I'm not convinced that firing him is the right thing to do. Let's see what the rest of the season holds. And, you know, if this team can, you know, listen, it starts tonight, can lead this team as a head coach in an upset victory over the Saints. Um, and, and they propel that into a division title, um, and a home playoff game, and, you know, they're able to win, you know, say they play, uh, I don't know, a Carolina or a Seattle or, you know, I, I don't even know. I, I don't have the standings in front of me, but um, – or Redskins, who knows? Um, and I doubt it with Colt McCoy. I, I'd say they're, they're about done. But, um, you know, can they get a playoff win? Can they become a force in a postgame? You beat the best team in the NFL – doesn't that make you the best team in the NFL? No, I know. Okay, I get it, guys. 
I, I, I yes, it's it's stupid to say that. NFL is about matchups, and this isn't boxing, right? You know, this is a this is a pro basketball or a college basketball. Um, you know, but it certainly makes you relevant. It certainly makes you a contender. It certainly now now you have to be viewed very seriously as a contender to go deep into the postseason if you're able to win this game tonight. Even if you're not, you know, even if power rankings don't reward you, put you in the top five, which they shouldn't at seven and five. No, you shouldn't be. Can't discard the whole season because you get a great win. But it does make you very relevant, and not just because you're the number one popular team, not because you're the most valuable team, not because of Jerry Jones and how he can't stay out of the press. Um, you know, you, you, it makes you relevant because you got a quality win against the best team in the NFL. And can they do it? You know, I've watched – I can't even tell you how many shows I've watched, um, you know, listening to different people talk about it. And every it's all over the place. I'd say the bulk of people are predicting a Saints win. And of those you – know, so I'd say, I'd say it's about 75-25 people predicting a Saints win over a Cowboy win. And then of the 75% that say Saints, you know, I'd say probably 75% of those are saying, um, you know, blowout. So 75% of 75% is somewhere around 50, 50%, maybe a little bit more. I don't have my calculator in front of me, but, you know, it's somewhere around 50, over 50%. So if you look at it, more than half of the viewing public is predicting the Saints blowout. Blowout meaning more than 14 points. Um, many people think, it's, you know, Stephen A. Smith, um, you know, I think a lot of his is, is just bravado, um, he's made a living out of hating the Cowboys. You know, and when you look at his success, um, when you look at Skip Bayless's success, when you look at Shannon Sharp coming up the ladder, um, you know, these guys, they, 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 if the Cowboys weren't relevant, there would be no first. They, well, first they'd probably still be there, but it wouldn't be as popular as it is. There would be no undisputed. Two things made undisputed happen, and that's the Dallas Cowboys and LeBron James. That's it. There is, there, there is nothing else that made that show happen. There is nothing else that led to Skip Bayless leaving ESPN, going to Fox, and making $5 million a year. Okay, there's head coaches in the NFL that don't make $5 million a year. Skip Bayless makes $5 million a year. I don't know what Stephen A. Smith makes. Um, he doesn't discuss it, and, you know, hey, he doesn't have to. But he does well. And they're very quick to announce how they're the number one um, you know, sports show, period. And, and they probably are, because they're the original. Um, Jamie Horowitz, he's from ESPN, now works for Fox Sports, and he's the one that created First Take, and now he created Undisputed. He was smart to go and get Skip Bayless. Um, and you know what? He was smart to go get Shannon Sharp. I think they're a good team. I, I, I enjoy them, although Skip, again, I don't care what anybody says, I think a lot of his stuff is just, is just for ratings, and I think Stephen A. does the same thing. I think it's about what can we do to please the viewership. And you know what? I guess that's okay because we still, we still listen. But let's get to the reality of what we're dealing with here. Um, could the Cowboys lose 45-21? Absolutely. Could they get annihilated like Philly? Absolutely. Is that reasonable to think that that – is that reasonable? I just don't see a blowout tonight on either side because the Cowboys have a strong defense. They have the ability to control the clock. Even with a Patrick offensive line, you know, it's not like they went and picked somebody up off the couch as they've had to do in the past to fill in. 
Fleming's been with the team all year. Okay. Uh, Looney's filled in admirably at center. Suofilo's been with the team all year. I mean, these are guys that have been with the team, know the scheme, and Colombo's a heck of a coach, Hudson Hawk. You know, you still got uh, 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 right tackle there. Oh, my God. You know who he is. Yeah, he's still there, and he's still got Zach Martin. And, you know, let's see if Tyron comes in place. But you still got a pretty good offensive line. You still have Zeke. You still have Dak and Amari Cooper. I mean, what more can I say than what we've said two nights ago about what that pick did for Dallas? If you had to pick one thing that has changed Dallas's fortunes, it's signing Amari Cooper. That's it, signing Amari Cooper. Um, he's got great speed, more faster than I thought he was, like blazing. Like I saw him pulling away from cornerbacks. So he's got great speed. He's got great hands. I'm hearing all these accolades about his route running ability. Um, and he's humble. So he's not coming in, you know, with the Des Bryant, uh, Odell Beckham, Antonio Brown, you know. He's not coming in with all of that. He fits the team, yet he's got enough spunk to do the free throw, Marco Fultz free throw thing. So he's got, there's some personality there. There is some level of personality. Okay. Um, you know, but, but here's the thing. Can they move the ball on the Saints? See, the Saints have the number one rush defense. And, you know, I, I want it to, and I don't know if I can do this right now because I'm going to try. I'm going to see if I can do this live, like while I'm on the air. Um, but let's let's look at uh, let's see, let's look at the Buccaneers game. Let's see if I can go through some of these games. Uh, I'm, on, I'm on the NFL um, I'm on the, the, the NFL uh, NFL app right now, and I'm just trying to see because my thought is okay. Let's go to Week One. I think I can do this. Let's go to Week One and let's find the Saints and the Bucks. That was the game, the only game they lost. Um, everybody fits magic and all of that. How's he doing? But anyway, um, and let's see if I can find st- okay stats here. And let's see. Okay, so they ran the ball 34 times for 112 yards. Um, that was the Buccaneers. Okay, so 34 times 112. And, and and the number I'm really looking for is the number of rushes. So 34. But you have a 48-40 game. So you have the ability to keep running the ball because that game didn't get away from you, right? But let's let's just check some of these other games. Uh, let's go to week two, and let's find the Saints in week two. And, okay, 21-18 over the Browns. So clearly the Saints hadn't, you know, it's, it's early in the season. They hadn't hit their stride, right? Um, and so when we're looking at the Browns, um, they ran about 27 times. Again, Another close game, you're able to to run the ball. We know some of these games weren't close. So let's go to week three, and let's see if the Saints had hit the stride. Okay, again, another close game, 43-37 Saints uh, over the Falcons. And let's see if um, – let's see if uh, the Falcons – how many times? Okay, 22 times. Um, so that's starting to come down a little bit there. 22 carries for 48 yards, but 22 carries and Matt Ryan threw the ball 35 times. So, so there's kind of an example of what I am referring to. You know, when they say the number one ranked 
um, defense against the run, you know, I, I think it's a bit misleading. You know, remember the, the uh, Eagles were the number two ranked defense against the run, and the Cowboys slashed them. Okay, Giants 33 to 18. They got Saquon. So let's let's see what Saquon is another beast. Let's see what Saquon did. And, uh, and okay, here we go. So 15 total carries. Saquon 10 for 44. Now here's a guy who averaged 4.4, but he only carried about 10 times because again you fall behind. And you know if I look at if I look at uh, you see they were up 12 to 7, 19 7, 19 10, uh, and then the fourth quarter I'm not really sure how that played out with the scoring, but they won by two scores. And Eli threw the ball 41 times. They ran the ball 15 total, including two by Eli. Okay, so that's kind of what I'm saying. Let's, let's go to week five. You know, let's not just pick one game. You know, anybody say, uh, Commissioner Steve Padden, his opinion. Nope, nope, nope. I want to deal with facts here. Let's go to the next week. And uh, Redskins blow out 43-19 against the Redskins. And let's see what the Redskins were able to do on the ground. And uh, Alex Smith threw the ball 39 times. And they ran the ball 18 times as a team. And... Nobody on that team carried the ball more than 10 times. Leading rusher, Chris Thompson, 8 for 17. Adrian Peterson, um, before Thompson got hurt, four carries for six yards. 18 carries, 39 yards. But Alex Smith threw the ball 39 times. You know, so again, when you're playing from behind, it's easy to, you know, have your stats look as if you're a juggernaut against the run. Let's do one more. Let's do one more. Um, no, they were on a bye that week. So Saints and the Lions, week six, that's a bye. Let's go to week seven. Saints, Ravens, okay, that's a one-point game. And I believe uh, the Saints missed an extra point, but let's check it out anyway. Let's see. Um, Ravens, let's see. Flacco threw the ball 39 times. They ran the ball 23 times. Um, and, you know, the other game I'm curious about, I'm curious about the game the blowout against, I want to say it was week 12 where they blew out the Eagles, but I could be wrong. Lopez with Giants and Eagles, let's go to week 11 uh, where the Saints just destroyed the Eagles. Um, and that, that game was the up 48-7. So let's, let's check the Eagles. All right. And go with stats. And the Eagles, Carson Wentz threw the ball 33 times. Um, note that Carson Wentz for 156 yards, three, three INTs. But he threw the ball 33 times. They ran the ball 12 times. Saints ran the ball 37 times as a contrast. So I think I validated my point that while the Saints defense is, is certainly a good defense and they've had some success against the run, I don't think Dallas needs to go in and think they can't run the ball. I think if you if you – don't go into this game, and I love what I'm hearing, and I get it. You don't want to get the other team bulletin board material, but you know what? I don't give a shit about bulletin board material. This is a huge game. And, you know, Dak said they put their pants on the same way we do. Demarcus Lawrence said, you know, hey, you got to punch him in the mouth. Um, you know, I, I, this team needs to get – because the Saints are coming in to play. Like, they're, they're not, they're not, you know, they're not coming in overlooking Dallas. Sean Payton is a great head coach. Drew Brees is, frankly, my favorite quarterback. Um, I don't know. I guess I can't say he's my favorite over Dak. Um, but long term, Roma was my favorite, okay? I loved Aikman. Um, but Aikman had so much talent around him. 
where Romo just carried the Cowboys year after year. And, you know, my good friend Elliot, Elliot I won't say his last name because, you know, but been my friend since fifth grade and just good, good dude. We always disagree on Romo. Um, and I respect Elliot's opinion, except he's wrong. Um, he never believed in Romo. But Romo never had good teams, you know. And, and in 2014, he had a good team. And I think the team got robbed with Fidesz catch. And in 2016, that was a great team. And then, um, you know, he gets hurt. 2007 was a great team with uh, T.O. and all of that. And, yeah, Romo threw an interception. But he was young. You know, he was young. He, he, he needed to learn the same thing that Dak is starting to learn, that you can't win the game on one play. And it's okay to take a sack or throw the ball away or run out of bounds if that, versus a turnover versus an interception or fumbling the ball and live for the next down, live for the next play. It, it's okay. And Dak is starting to learn that. I've seen him. I mean, I think he's sitting in the pocket a little bit too long on some of these, uh, some of these plays. But I, I'm not seeing, you know, after that Tennessee game where he just threw the ball away, uh, threw the ball up, trying to hit Cooper, and it's an interception. I haven't seen any stupidity like that since then, um, unlike what Big Ben did. But we won't get into that. We won't get into that tonight. This is about Dallas and, and New Orleans. Um, so, you know, oh, and, and the other thing I want to bring up is that, um, yeah, I say that Saints are they're coming to play. Um, but, you know, go to YouTube and just, just you know, just December, I think it was the night of the 19th, but don't quote me, 2009. And Dallas was 8-5, went into New Orleans to play the Saints, who was 13-0, and, and um, beat them 24-17. And that was a defensive game. Your Dallas defense played, you know, DeMarcus Ware had a hurt neck. And, and he knew this game was important, and he went out and played and actually ended the game sacking Drew Brees. DeMarcus Ware was such a beast. Oh, my God, he was such a beast. It was great watching that game, by the way. I think I mentioned it uh, Tuesday, seeing all the players that I hadn't thought of in a while, and um, looking at the Brady James and all the Mike Jenkins and these guys. and um, You know, Newman is you know, younger, Terrence Newman. I can go on and on. It's great to watch. But the point is, Dallas was able to get it done. Now, you know, this is a different team. It's a different era. Drew Brees and, and Sean Payton are there. But you can get motivation that as an organization we've been here before. You can get some, some motivation after that. And, and I did a little research in, in the franchise history. Dallas Cowboys have faced four teams that have 10-game winning streaks, and they are 2-2. Two and two. So there is history here that Cowboys can actually make this happen. This is not unprecedented. You know, Berman said it best. This is why you play the games. And, I, you know, I get it. You know, you, you expect San, uh, New Orleans to go come in here and do what they did to the other NFC East teams. You know, the, the closest team were the Giants at 33-15. They mollywopped the uh, Redskins 43-19, and they, they destroyed Philly 48-7. So you expect that, you know, since these teams are separated by, you know, hairs, you expect them to come in and do the same thing to Dallas. I, I got to tell you something. Um, I, I just – and I know I'm loyal, and I ain't going to lie. I'm loyal. I'm nervous about this game, but I'm excited. And if I'm excited, sitting in front of my iPad, hosting the man voice 
in Bristol, Connecticut, home of ESPN, I might add. Can you imagine the opportunity that these guys are thinking about? Can you imagine what's going on right now? It's what, we're three hours to, 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 to uh, kick off. Can you just imagine the excitement? I mean, you, this is why, this is, listen, if, if you're competitive in any level, whether it's video gaming, whether it's sports, whether you've been a competitive athlete, if you're competitive in any way, you want to compete against the best. I remember I played high school basketball. And, you know, I was a good basketball player. I was not great, but I was good. But, you know, I, I, I did not have a good coach. Um, I had a coach who also coached the baseball team. And so if you played baseball and you were decent in basketball, then you played basketball. And uh, half of our basketball team also played baseball. So, you know, I, I think – the, the team could have done a lot better had our coach coached better. And I'm not going to say who he is. He just retired recently. It's showing how long he's been coaching. Um, you know, nice guy. Just don't think he was a good basketball coach. And when I looked at his career record, I don't even think he was 500, 30 years that he coached. Um, you know, while his predecessor won state championships, he came in and he just wasn't very good. My point, though, not to get off the point, was I remember one game um, – Jim Liss was our center. Jim, if you're out there, uh, I stole your drink. Good guy. Good golfer, by the way. Jim Liss was the only one smart enough to take golfing and play golf in high school. I should have did that. Uh, anyway, um, he was six foot five. Jim, sorry, Jim, was not a good basketball player, but he was tall. You know, um, and they figured if he could stand in the middle, clog up the middle, get a couple of blocks, and maybe with his height get some rebounds and some putbacks, they'd make it work. But Jim was not a basketball player, okay? Um, I don't know if he played baseball. I think, he, I think he did golf in the spring, so no, he wasn't on a baseball team. But he was 6'5". We had a bunch of guys that were 6'1 on our basketball team. Myself, Steve Ronzello, Joe Salvatore, um, Benny Rosa. Uh, we were all 6'1", 6'2"-ish. You know, we were all in that, in that hybrid kind of just a smidgen over 6'1", but not quite the full 6'2", all four of us. And matter of fact, if you see our, our picture, our team picture, you can kind of tell we're all right about the same height. Jim was the only one that was, you know, center height for high school, 6'5". So he was our center. I remember we played Torrington High School. Murray Williams, who went on to play, had a good career at UConn. I don't think he made the pros. I think he might have did NBA D-League or something. But he was one of those great high school players. And I remember we were getting, we were just getting mollywops. And coach says, Floyd, you're starting the second half. I, I, go, I, I have no reason to make myself into something I wasn't. Uh, I was sitting on the bench. I think I was good enough to get a lot more playing time than I got, but that's another discussion altogether. The reality is I was a guy who didn't play a lot. I came in here and there, and certainly the garbage time I played. Me and Joe Salvatore who was a great shooter, um, another guy that played baseball, um, but he actually was a great shooter, but that's about all he could do. Um, and a couple of other uh, couple of other uh, guys, we just, you know, we kind of just sat at the end of the bench and watched the game and waiting for opportunity. Well, this day, I had a little vertical on me. He says uh, Jim was getting owned by Murray Williams. Okay, Murray Murray was killing, and he says to me, Floyd, you start in the second half. And Murray was a good six four, six five, six six. I don't know. He was a tall guy. Here I am, six one, six two tops, going up against Murray Williams. Okay. And 
Was I nervous? Of course. But was I excited for the opportunity? Was I amped? You know, I went in there, and um, some reason I remember jumping center, and I and we got the tap. I'm not saying I tapped it. It could have just been we got it, but I we did get the tap. The coach went crazy because I got I had some elevation back then, and got down in the base covering him, and you know he had no respect for me because I didn't even know who I was. I drew a foul, and I uh, went to the line, and then I airballed. <laughs> Airballed my free throw, um, missed the second one, and the next dead ball, I was out of there. But I had my moment to shine, and I was excited for it. And I remember, you know, something a little more positive, my track career, and I remember um, going up against the local high school superstar, and I had a hamstring injury, and I had to sit out, and he knew who I was. And, you know, he won that day, and he said, I'll see you at regional. I said, looking forward to it. And I remember competing at the regionals against him and against this guy from another high school. And I remember Coach Green said to me, he said, listen, um, save something. So you don't have to run all out to qualify. You're better than all these guys. One ten high hurdles. He said, just get in the top three, you know, and save it for the end. So, okay. So I went out there, and that's exactly what I did. I came in second. This other guy beat me, and he was excited as anything. Then my race came, the finals came, and I set a, a record. And the kid comes over to me and he says, you were holding back, weren't you? I said, yeah, I was. My point in telling you these stories about my past is you get excited. You get excited. You get amped for competition. Whether you're a professional athlete making $8 million a year or whether you're, you know, a banker who – plays, you know, basketball in the local rec center on the weekend, or whether you're a Madden video gamer that's in a league, or, you know, Eric Problem Right, the greatest of all time, um, who's won more money than probably everybody else who's ever played put together. It doesn't matter. You get the competitive juices flowing, and you look forward to this battle. And when I heard DeMarcus Lawrence talk a little smack, and not negative against the Saints. No, 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 no. About what Dallas needs to do. And, and you know, Dak talking about what Dallas needs to do. And then you listen to Drew Brees, the consummate professional, who just said, hey, you know, we feel when we go out there and execute, we can play with anybody. Respect. Nothing but respect for Drew Brees and Sean Payton. But you got, if you're Dallas, you know, people say you can't get too high, you can't get too low. I disagree. My man Robert Townsend said on uh, Hollywood Shuffle, I disagree, homeboy. No, this is a huge game. Every game isn't the same. I'm sorry. It's just not. I know there's only 16 in the NFL, and I know they're all important. But anybody who sits over and says they're all equally important, you're crazy. This is the biggest game of your season, period. And not because it's game 12. It's because of where you are today and where they are today. If Dallas had lost the last two games and came in this game three and seven, would we be even having this conversation? No, we'd be talking about Dallas as a spoiler. We're talking about a team that's won three in a row that has a chance to make something happen. So, no, every game is not the same. This is a huge game. I appreciate Jerry Jones saying you got to go out there like this is a Super Bowl. And, yes, James Harrison said you got to go out there and do that every game. 
hey, you're a Super Bowl champion. I'm not going to deny that. But we're not talking about every game. We're talking about this game. And, you know, I, I, I don't know who they're going to have on sidelines. I will be getting off this show shortly so I can order my Chinese food and get ready. I'm watching the whole pregame show, and I'm going to have me a little taste at the beginning of the game, just a little something because I want to stay up for the entire game, and I'm getting old, and I don't have that stamina. But I am going to have a little scotch to start off the game. But I don't know. I just know when Conor McGregor was there, it, it, it got this team fired up. And so I don't know. I hope there's somebody there to bring Conor back. Denzel's a huge Cowboy fan, LeBron James. He's probably got a game, but he's a huge Cowboy fan. Um, I don't care who Michael Irvin. I mean, you ever watch? Go go watch his fight speeches. And Michael Irvin is an incredible motivator when it comes to football. You could see why he was who he was um, on on the sidelines as far as being that emotional leader back in the '90s for that team because he still has that passion, you know. To, to lay down the gospel. I love me some Michael Irvin. I really do. I I, I have a little experience with Mr. Irvin, um, you know, several years ago. One day I'll tell that story, but not tonight. Um, and it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. But um, I love his passion. And he ain't two-faced like primetime Deion Sanders is. You know, you know, and I get it. You, you know, I think it's okay to be loyal as an analyst to your team. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think when, um, you know, Shannon Sharp talks positively about the Broncos or the Ravens, that's a bad thing. I don't think when Skip Bayless, even though he never played, but when Skip Bayless talks about the Cowboys, it's a bad thing. Or, or well, Stephen A. Smith's got, you know, he's, he's a New Yorker, but he's a Steeler fan, so who knows. But I don't think that's a bad thing. You play, you know, you played all the – now, if you're calling the game, that's tough. You know, Tony can't really do that. Jason can't really do that. Troy can't really do that because, you know, you're calling the game and you can't really be biased. But if you're in a studio and an analyst and you want to put on your blue and silver like Michael Irvin does and talk about Dallas, I, I don't see what the problem is. It is that team that has you still working in the NFL right now. <laughs> it is your performance and your success with that organization that has you in the Hall of Fame, Right. It has you revered as one of the greatest ever to do it. Michael Irving is one of the greatest that ever do it. Fuck the stats. He is one of the greatest to ever do it. So I appreciate when Irving gets up there and, and goes back at Stephen A and Max. Um, I get a little frustrated with prime time. I think he's one of the he's one of my favorite athletes, one of my favorite football players. But he just he he he, he seems to try to overcompensate for the fact that he played five years for the Cowboys. He seems to try to overcompensate for that, and, and he wants to be what he considers to be honest. Um, although today when I saw him, he did say how much he loved Jerry Jones, so I will give him that. Um, but he just seems to be sometimes unnecessarily critical, unnecessarily harsh. And so, and, and, and hey, you know, what do I know? You know, he's got two Super Bowls. He's a Hall of Famer. Um, best cornerback ever to play, and for my money, might be the best, I mean, football player to ever play the game. I mean, you got to talk about Deion. you got to talk about Bo Jackson. Um, you know, as far as just football player, you got to talk about Jim Brown. Of course, you got to talk about Tom Brady. Um, but Deion might just be the best of them all. You know, a guy played in the World Series uh, and played in the Super Bowl, 
played in a bas- baseball game and a football game in the same day. I mean, he did some things that may, you may never see again. You know, he played a World Series and a Super Bowl? What? So I just wish he wore the blue and silver. I know he's an Atlanta guy as well. I get it. You know, Atlanta was, you know, I built this house. I get it. Um, I just wish you, you know, you didn't win a Super Bowl, you know, 49ers. Although, that's why he claims the 49ers as much. Even though he won a Super Bowl with them. He claims Atlanta and he claims Dallas. I just wish I could see a little more out of him. But, you know what, it, it don't matter because that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to fill in those gaps. So, what do I think is going to happen tonight? Um, if I, and, and I'm going to be honest with you guys. If I were a betting man, I would not pick Dallas. If somebody said, let's put, you know, you know, Shannon Sharp said, put some do on it, right? Um, you know, if, if somebody wanted to bet me money, my hard-earned money, I couldn't do it. I don't even want to talk points. It doesn't matter. Somebody said, bet me money that Dallas will win. I couldn't do it. Not this game. Um, the Saints are just that good. Dallas has a margin of error that is minuscule. The Saints can overcome errors. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Dallas does. So for that reason, I couldn't bet on the Cowboys. Do I think rationally that Dallas will win? No. Do I think rationally that they could win? Yes. Did I pick Dallas Tuesday night? Yes. Was that my head or my heart? That was 90% heart and 10% head. And I talked a lot about it Tuesday. I'm going to repeat myself. Dallas can win this game. First of all, they found out, you know, they, 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 I don't want to say they found out, but, you know, for years in AT&T, and I've been there, I can honestly speak from experience, but in the past, there was no home field advantage. There is definitely home field advantage now. I saw it firsthand. I sat in that stadium, and those fans go crazy for this team now. I don't know what took them so long, um, but that, that, see, that number blue, silver, blue, white, and silver, and so even though the Saints are pretty popular and Drew Brees, that, that home field advantage is going to matter tonight. Okay, so that's first thing is they're at home. Um, second thing is they got a defense. They have a pass rush. Okay, um, the secondary has not been playing lights out, but they've been playing solid. The linebackers, I mean, remember, the Saints want to run the ball and set up the pass. Even though Drew Brees has almost every record conceivable, this team with Kamara, Alvin Kamara, um, I know I'm probably screwing up his name, and um, uh, Ingram, they want to run the ball to set up the pass. That's what they want to do. Well, even though Sean Lee is not playing, Vander Esch and Jalen Smith have been lights out. Vander Esch won player of the week. And not only are they making tackles, they're getting sacks. They're getting turnovers. They're getting fumbles. They're getting interceptions. Like, these guys are complete linebackers. One's a rookie, and one is in his second um, was his second year or third year because they drafted him, and then I think he might have sat out a year. So I think he's in his third playing year, his second – his third year on the roster, his second year playing. He did play last year. Um, but he's young, and Sean Lee is still on sideline coaching these boys up. So they're going to be an X factor, okay? Byron Smith, I'm sorry, Byron Jones has been playing, you know, they do these ratings and, uh, you know, it's not the top quarterback in the NFL. He's definitely top three on how he's been playing this year. You know, with, uh, what's his name, the guy from uh, Seattle, 
can't remember his name, but y'all know what I'm talking about, um, who was their secondary coach. And now he's a secondary coach for Dallas, and he calls the defense for Rod Marinelli, which allows Rod Marinelli to get more involved in scheming and watching. So they work together that way. So, and, you know, Rod Marinelli, I wish I had trained on the show to talk about Rod Marinelli. I mean, there's certain guys in the NFL that you want coaching your defense in a game like this. Wade Phillips is one of them. Rod Marinelli is another one. Bill Belichick would be another one. You know, there's a, there's a small group of guys that you say, if anyone can get a team ready to play this team, it's this coach. And Rod Marinelli is that guy. So I like the defense's ability to be able to um, put some pressure on, on Breeze and make them earn those first downs. Even though they've had difficulty with some third downs, I think tonight it's going to be a little tighter. But really, you know, as good as the defense is, I think it's going to come down to Dallas being aggressive on offense, taking chances, and, yes, you got to feed Zeke, but you got to be smart with feeding Zeke. This isn't just about getting touches just to get touches. This is just this is about execution. This is about not being predictable. Zeke needs his touches. But he doesn't but you don't need to do first down Zeke, second down Zeke. Now you're at third and seven. And now third down, you're going to a double covered Cooper and now it's three and out. No, you, you need to you need to be creative with your play calling. You need to mix in a little more run pass option so that if they're keying on Zeke, then maybe Dak can get around the corner and pick up a few yards. Um, one of the problems this team has on offense is not a real tight end since Jason Witten uh, retired. And I'm hoping that doesn't hurt, you know, as far as pass receiving. But there's Cole Beasley, of course, Amari Cooper, Alan Hearns. Um, you know, so there, there, are, there are some weapons on offense that they can throw to. And, of course, out of the backfield, Zeke as well. So I think Dallas is, while the defense is going to be critical, I think Dallas has to execute on offense and have some drives and keep the Saints off the field. You cannot allow the Saints to get up 14-0, 17-3. You cannot get into the red zone and walk away with three points. Every field goal, you're one drive away from losing. You, 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 you know, if we want to talk about how Dallas wins, score touchdowns. And do your best to either stay in the lead or stay tied or stay close. You cannot let this team get up on you three scores. It can't be 21 nothing. You know, this isn't the 49ers and the Cowboys in 1994 and the 49ers go up on Dallas 21 to nothing, and then Dallas is able to claw back in. They ultimately lose 38-28. But, you know, we're talking Troy Aikman, Emmitt Smith, uh, Michael Irvin, Alvin Harper, Jay Novacek, uh, the best offensive line in the game at the time, pretty solid defense that after that initial flurry of 21 points, which some of it was defense-related on, on, for the 49ers, they kind of clamped down and gave the Cowboys a fighting chance to actually come back and win that game. This ain't that. This, ain't, this team is not built to come back from behind. You know, if it was Amari Cooper and Des Bryant and David Irvin was playing um, and you had one more, uh, 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 you know, Awuze is pretty good, but, we, you know, that secondary, if you had Earl Thomas back there, who you've been trying to get, maybe. But you don't got all of that. David Irvin ain't playing. You know, Des Bryant is sitting home. God bless him. We want him to have a speedy recovery. 
you know, you know, you don't have Earl Thomas. God bless him. Why didn't have a speedy recovery? You have who you have. And with the team as constructed, coming back from the deficit is not in your DNA. Could they do it? Yeah, it's football. Anything's possible. But if you want to win this game, Dallas, control the clock. Keep Breeze on the sideline as much as you can. And then when he does come in, you've got to put some pressure on him. The one thing that works with every great quarterback is making them uncomfortable back there. And get, even if you're not getting sacks, getting hurries, getting them impatient to where they're throwing the ball quicker than they want because Demarcus Lawrence, Tank Lawrence, is in your face because um, whatchamacallit, um, oh my, Randy Gregory, thank you. Randy Gregory is in your face because 98, uh, Crawford is in your face because you're blitzing and here comes Jalen uh, Jalen Smith. Here comes, you know, uh, you know, uh, Byron Jones off the corner, or Uze off the corner, blitzing. You know, you have to make Breeze uncomfortable. If you give him time back there, he's going to murder you. He's been my fantasy quarterback every year since I started playing fantasy football. On one team or another, one, one, a couple years I had him on both teams, and then, you know, Dan Brownzell reset the league and I lost him. But I had him on both my teams, and at one – Two championships with Drew Brees as my quarterback. I, is that relevant? No, it just it means I follow Brees a little closer than I would follow most non-Dallas quarterbacks because he's been my fantasy quarterback, and I know what this guy's capable of. And he's just great. He ain't good. He's great. He is great. He is exceptional. You know, I think he's underappreciated. And when you talk about some of the best ever, he's never in that conversation. And he should be. You know, if you say that there's Tom Brady – and maybe Joe Montana, and then everybody else, Breeze needs to be in that discussion. Frankly, I would say, you know, if there was a Mount Rushmore of quarterbacks, for my money, it's Brady, it's Montana, it's Peyton Manning, and it's Drew Brees. I'm sorry, Aaron Rodgers, but your career ain't done yet. Um, sorry, Big Ben, but your career ain't done yet. Um you know, Dan Marino, we talked about how good he was. Um, probably the best passer I've ever seen, but just not a lot of not a lot of post game stuff going on there. Um, Troy Aikman, my quarterback, three Super Bowls. Um, another great passer. I honestly can't put him on the Mount Rushmore. Those are my, my those are my four quarterbacks right there. Brady, Montana, um, Peyton Manning, and Drew Brees. And what is the one thing they all have in common, um, other than all being Super Bowl champions? Longevity. They did it for a very long time. And they all went into their late 30s playing at a very high level. And Montana did it before the rules got easy. Okay? He did it before, before you can't even breathe on a quarterback now. Imagine if we had those rules back then. Oh, my God. Um, so, anywho, pregame show starts. Uh, if any of you tuned in live, we don't get a lot of live anymore like we used to, everyone's podcast, and that's great. So, <laughs> if, if you're listening to this on delay, you already know who won the game, and it makes me think of, uh, the Dinosaur Show. Y'all remember Dinosaur? Am I dating myself? And Muhammad Ali was fighting... Was either Trevor Burbick or Larry Holmes? I don't remember. 
38-year-old Muhammad Ali making a comeback. And they did an interview before the fight. And Dinah said to Muhammad Ali, um, I might even Google that, see if that's even on YouTube. But he said, uh, they said, just want you to know we're doing this recording live now with you, but it won't be aired until after the fight. And Ali looked at him and said, didn't I whoop him? <laughs> Ali was the best. He was the freaking best. You know, only Ali didn't I whoop him. Uh, he didn't, of course. He lost. But um, So either I'm looking like a prophet and you guys are saying, man, that Commissioner T is truly the omniscient one. Or he's sitting there saying, why did I just listen and waste 50 minutes of my life? The Cowboys got slaughtered and this Commissioner T doesn't know a damn thing. I don't even want to hear his podcast anymore. He's garbage. Okay. Understood. Let's see what happens. So I hope you guys enjoy the game. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to order me some Chinese food, um, and I'm getting ready. I'm Like I said, I'm watching every ounce of the NFL Network pregame show, which I normally don't do, but I'm going to do it tonight. And um, I'm getting ready for this game, and I'm excited. This is what, hey, this is what life's all about, things to look forward to. This is what football's all about. And, uh, you know, I'm going to enjoy this game. I hope all of you guys, for the few people that might be listening live, I hope, <laughs> I hope you're going to enjoy the game. And, um, you know, you know what our tagline is, right? All feuds are settled on the field. Man, you, you can't get any more um, true to that tagline than tonight. Because tonight, that feud is going to get settled on the field. So enjoy the game. Um, you know what? I don't think there'll be a show next Tuesday. I, I've got to confirm. I might have um, dinner plans to celebrate somebody's birthday. And if that's the case, then uh, I'm going to cancel the show. But uh, I'll be back soon. Heck, if the Cowboys win, I might be back. They might have me on here at midnight tonight talking about, woo, you know, the Cowboys win. Um, I, I may I may have to come back on and do one of these tonight. How about them Cowboys? You know what I mean? So who knows? But um, I'll, I'll be in touch. You guys know we're never too far away from another show. So thanks for tuning in tonight. Enjoy the game. All feuds always, always settled on the field. Enjoy the game tonight, everybody. Thank you.